Hi, you've just downloaded or otherwise accessed a podcast of Cross Point Church and the teaching ministry presented through our weekly Sunday morning worship. Feel free to burn a copy of this file when you're finished and pass it along to a friend you think might also benefit from the teaching. We hope you enjoy the message today, and thanks again for taking the time to visit. I've got the joy, 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 joy down in my heart. Down in my heart. Down in my heart. i got the joy, joy, joy. The end of that phrase says, down in my heart. What's the last line? To stay. Well, wouldn't that be great if it stayed there? If it didn't get stolen away with um, temptation and time and mediocrity and frustration and financial issues and bills and kids' issues and health and marriages that require more work than we thought they would require and and work and all those kind of things. And we look up 10, 15, 20, 30 years removed from salvation and think, where did my joy go? I had some joy once upon a time. What happened to that? I thought it was down in my heart to stay. Well, let's examine this premise today that all of us come come to the table with. Psalm 51 says this, Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. That's where we find ourselves, needing our joy to be restored. Uh, it's, it is... Uh, our enemy, the devil, will see to it. John, in fact, John 10, 10 says, the thief comes to kill, steal, and destroy. I've come that you might have life, though, he says, and have it to the fullest. But he'll see that he steals away all that he can from you uh, every day. I want us to talk today about five things Five keys to renewing and restoring your joy. We're going to be in Deuteronomy 16, if you want to turn there, and John 15, if you want to turn there and stick a finger there. Deuteronomy 16, verse 15 says this, For seven days celebrate the feast of the Lord your God at the place the Lord will choose. For the Lord your God will bless you in all your harvest and in all the work of your hands, and your joy will be complete. Two things today, obviously, to glean from this text. The first is, first key to, to renewing and restoring our joy is the worship of your heart. That's what, he, that's what he talks about there in the first part of that verse. For seven days, celebrate the feast of the Lord your God at the place the Lord your God will show you. Celebrate what? Celebrate your salvation. Celebrate the fact that you belong. Celebrate the fact that you can't lose that. Celebrate the fact that you're walking in, in the truth of the fact that you are bound by the Holy Spirit to God for eternity. Celebrate the fact that not only is that uh, permanent, it's personal. Your relationship is your relationship. It doesn't depend on someone else's behavior. It doesn't depend on how much scripture you, you know. It doesn't depend on how many times you're at church. Your relationship is personal. It's, it, 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 it is a salvation to be celebrated and, and restored again and again and again. Now, he asked the question, where? Here. Wherever God chooses, he said in this verse. Meaning, wherever, wherever we find ourselves, wherever he chooses to show up for us, whether that's at, at home whether that's here at church, I hope you sense every Sunday the freedom to worship God here as he leads in and, and, and leads your heart to do. But 
if this is not the only, hopefully this is not the only place you worship. And if it's not, there, there may be some better places for you. Uh, I've shared stories with you about some of my best worship has been on, on, with the drone of a, of a Ford tractor. Uh, just bush hogging grass. Or on a riding mower or in, in your car or, or on a break at work or wherever you find yourself, Lord, that he would bring a, a thought or a song or something to your mind to cause you to worship him and give, you, give him an expression he deserves. So wherever that is is wherever he's talking about. The worship of your heart. The second thing he talks about in this verse is the work of your hands. That's the last part. For the Lord your God will bless you in all your harvest and in all the work of your hands and your joy will be complete. Blessing the work of our hands. Colossians 3.23 puts this contextually this way. Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for man. Then Hebrews 6 puts it this way. God is not unjust. He will not forget your work and the love you have shown him as you have helped his people and continue to help them. So that's the work for others. We want each of you to show this same diligence to the very end in order to make your hope sure. We do not want you to become lazy, but to imitate those who through faith and patience inherit what has been promised. Uh, he, our work is to the Lord, or should be to the Lord, and for the benefit of others. Uh, our joy is restored in the process of, of our yielding to this, to this, this idea of our, our, our work, the, hand, the work of our hands being for God and for others. And he, he, he restores our joy as, as we put ourselves in service to him. So the worship of your heart, your heart and the work of your hands. Third thing, if you want to turn to John, we'll, we'll see these last three in John chapter 15, verses 9 to 7. Look with me at that text, if you will. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Now remain in my love. If you obey my commands, you will remain in my love just as I have obeyed my Father's commands and remain in his love. I've told you this, watch, so that the joy, my joy may be in you and that your joy may be made complete. My, my command is this, to love each other as I've loved you. Greater love has no one than this. And then they lay down life, his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I've called you friends. For everything that I've learned from my father, I've made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you to go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. Then the father will give you whatever you ask in my name. This is my command. Love each other. Well, here are keys three, four, and five. Number three is this, is loving God in obedience. Loving God in obedience. So what he speaks to out of verse 10. says, if you obey my commands, you will remain in my love just as I have obeyed my Father's commands and remain in his love. So we are obedient to what? Well, either turn back a page or look, look, uh, look on the same page, if you will, to chapter 14, verses 23 to 26. Jesus says, if anyone loves me, he'll obey my teaching. My Father will love him and he will come to him and make our home with him. He who does not love me will not obey my teaching. These words you hear are not my own. They belong to the Father who sent me. They're not my own. They belong to the Father who sent me. So obedience is to his word and his spirit. It's this measure of word and spirit that we find ourselves walking in obedience to. It's where joy finds itself into that place. Uh, obedience is 
it's it's a hard thing to to to, to uh, as an adult to conquer because, or at least it is for me, because if you're like me, I, I want to be in charge and yielding my, <clears throat> my my will to the will of God is is and can be a challenge. But obedience is easier for someone who has been trained by it and raised by it. Obedience. Uh, Dr. James Dobson, a Christian psychologist who's gone on to be with the Lord now, said back in the early 80s that obedience to God starts in the home. And it starts with fear that a young child is afraid of the consequences of touching that hot stove or of getting something he shouldn't be getting into or giving mom and dad one of these. You know, what's going to come his or her way uh, to have a healthy amount of fear that 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 retaliation or that spanking or that that timeout or whatever it is that correct corrective measure is taken. If there's a healthy amount of fear there, he says. That also, as you grow into adulthood, that fear should turn to respect. Well, you're not afraid of your parents. You're not afraid of the consequences, but you respect the fact that what they've told you over the years has been true and has worked. And then, as they grow grow up to have children of their own, begin to see this firsthand how this works that that respect then transfers to admiration for seeing further than than you could see in the moment when you were a child or even an adolescent and doing the hard thing so so that as you would later become a parent, you could do the hard thing to correct your own kid's behavior. So obedience starts in fear, moves to respect, and then transfers to admiration. That's a great picture of our relationship with God. As we are immature, we're often afraid of God's response. He's going to get me if I get out of line. Well, if he gets you when you get out of line, it's to correct you, to get you back in line. Not to, not to punish you because you're out of line. It's always about correction. His, his redemption is. It works that way. And, and our obedience should be tied to, to how we respond to him in that way. Loving God in obedience. Secondly, is loving others in selflessness. Look at verse 13. Loving others in selflessness. It says, greater love has no one than this, and he laid down his life for his friends. Dying to my own will, in essence, dying to what I want and deferring to others as a default position. That's a hard get as well. Because most of us, as you've heard me say many times, we come out of the womb me-centered. Keep me warm. Keep me happy. Keep me fed. Keep me loved. Keep me encouraged. Keep me, or I'll let you know when, when you don't do those things very well. And so it is a natural tendency of a baby to, to look after their self. We have to learn. It's learned behavior to, to defer to someone else. It's learned behavior to learn to care, to learn to share, to learn to, to, learn to be others-focused. That's not natural for us, and we have to learn that behavior. It's much easier if the Holy Spirit is inside guiding that behavior along. But it is still learned behavior, and it's not natural, this, this idea of deferring to, uh, to, to, to others. Uh, bringing, bringing myself joy by bringing others joy. You can't do, can't do both at the same time. can't bring yourself joy by, by focusing on yourself. We bring ourselves joy by focusing on others. It really boils down to whether we are givers or receivers. If you're going to give away joy this Christmas, you're going to receive something for doing that. I promise you that. Givers or receivers. Loving others and selflessness. But the, the, the fifth thing is this. Not only is... Uh, fifth key is not only loving God in obedience and loving others in selflessness, but loving others selflessly is fruit bearing. Look at verse 16 with it. It's fruit bearing. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you to go and bear 
fruit, fruit that will last. Fruit that will last. Uh, he grows us, uh, <clears throat> grows, fruit bearing grows from us to others. It it's, comes out of who we are, out of our conversation, out of our attitude, out of our spirit to others. It, it, it should be, our fruit bearing should be a contagious thing as, as our faith is squeezed, <clears throat> squeezed out into the life of others. It should grow from us to others. He says in this verse, we've been chosen to bear fruit, meaning that God has put you in a position of intentionality, put you in the place where he's, he's put you, put you in the family that he's put you in, put you in the job that you have, put you in, in the relationship that you have, because he's intentional about it. And he, he says, I, I chose you not only to bear fruit, but to bear fruit that will last, meaning to bear fruit that matters for eternity. Not necessarily fruit that it's, it's going to be enjoyed and chewed up and swallowed and, and uh, done away with. Not joy that just lasts as long as the emotion lasts, but joy that lasts beyond the emotion. Joy that lasts beyond the good feeling. Uh, and, and it's okay to be blessed and, and receive joy for giving yourself away to somebody else. But when that, when that lasts beyond the event, then you're into something. When that lasts beyond just that moment, then you're finally starting to grasp and develop this is what real lasting joy seems like. It looks like because my life as an attitude follows these actions of deferring to others and putting myself last. And, and as I bear that kind of fruit, as my life bears that, that kind of joy bears that kind of fruit in my life, it becomes a lifestyle where I don't have to conjure up joy by figuring out somebody to help. It's a natural thing for me. It's something that's born into my DNA now. My, my thinking and my motivation has been restructured to where my mind and my heart goes to someone else over me. And so that's, that, that in essence gives me and brings me long-lasting joy. Well, renewing your spirit and restoring your joy has three challenges with it. We close with these three challenges I want you to examine about yourself that we've just looked at. Challenge number one is to examine your worship. To examine your worship. Is it a priority? Is it real? Is it authentic? Is it a lifestyle? Or is it something that just happens here on Sundays? I hope it's not just something that happens here on Sundays for you. I hope it's a lifestyle. I hope it's real. I hope it's authentic. The second challenge is not only to examine your worship, but to examine your work. Is your work to the Lord or to yourself or the benefit of yourself? Is it diligent? In essence, is it consistent? Or do you have to, to, to be motivated to do it? Thirdly, is it fulfilling? Is your work fulfilling? I'm going to tell you, if it, if it is to the Lord, <coughs> and if it is consistent, it will be fulfilling. You don't have to worry about that. If your work is as unto the Lord, and if you're, if you're consistent with it, meaning I stay at it, you'll find fulfillment in it, I promise you that. Examine your work, examine your worship. Thirdly, is to examine your love. Examine the way you love. Is it a blessing to the Lord, as we just looked at a moment ago? Is it selfless? Is it unconditional? If it is those things, it'll be contagious. You'll be loved back. As you learn to love well, you'll learn to receive love well. Well, the more yeses and answers to those questions today is the key to renewing and restoring your joy. The more I can learn to give myself away in, in worship, give myself away in work, give myself away in love, the more God is, is, is going to more quickly and lastingly rejoice. Uh, restore to me the joy of my salvation. 
Now, hearing that and heeding it are two different things. It all sounds good theoretically, and here it comes from the Word of God. Yeah, I believe that. But as I learn to walk that out, joy starts to find itself flooding itself into my life. I promise you that. It's got to be walked out, though. It's, it, it's got to move beyond concept in a, in a church auditorium on Sunday morning to what I look like and act like and how I'm perceived and come across to people at work on Monday, at the bank, at the grocery store. And it's got to move beyond just conception and become a part of my DNA, part of how I think, part of how, how I process things. And how, that will, in turn, change how not only I look at people, but how they see me and consequently see my God. Joy will follow that, I promise you it will, and that'll be contagious. Uh, here's an example of Christmas joy that I want to encourage you to, to model after. Luke chapter 1, verses 44 and 45. This is Elizabeth's joy at, at Mary, as a result of Mary's obedience. It says, as soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, this is Elizabeth talking to Mary, as soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb leapt for joy. Blessed is she who has believed what the Lord has said to her will be accomplished. I'm going to promise you, if you sow joy as a blessing, as a gift this Christmas time, you're going to receive it back tenfold, a hundredfold. I promise you that, if you'll try it. Now, it doesn't look like... Uh, Whoever spends the most receives the most. Doesn't look like that. Sometimes it doesn't even look like whoever serves the most receives the most. It looks more like that. Sometimes it looks like the one who is present most. The one who is there most. The one who walks with you through a hard place most. The one who sees needs and presses into them the best that they can, the best they know how. That's where the joy is found. That's where it comes from. If you'll press into giving yourself away in those kinds of ways, I promise you, you'll receive it a hundredfold over and over and over again from the Lord. And you won't have to wake up in the morning wondering, I thought the joy, joy, joy is supposed to be dying in my heart to stay. You'll wake up with it in the morning. You'll go to bed with it at night. You'll see it start to happen. And it's, it's not earth shattering. It happens over time. It's, it's a process that God works in our life. And we wake up five years later and think, I'm not as depressed as I used to be. I'm not as anxious as I used to be. In fact, I don't even need the, the anti-anxiety meds that I thought I needed years ago. My, my mindset has changed. My, how I see people, how I see work, how I see the world has changed. What happened? I started to learn to give myself away. Let's pray. Father, teach us these things beyond just concepts today, that they are points of application, that we're not just challenged about our work, our worship, and the way we love, but that's a lifestyle for us. It's a lifestyle of worship. It's a lifestyle of working as unto you. It's a lifestyle of, of loving selflessly like you do and you have. Teach us to walk those things out and live them out in, in such a way that we are they are motivation in, in and of themselves, regardless of whether we receive, we receive any joy from them or not. We walk that way to be like Jesus, and then the joy comes and follows. Uh, something each of us can give away this year that no, nobody will ever want to return is the joy you place in our hearts 
for others, for them, for our family, for folks we work with, for folks that are, that are lost, folks that don't know you personally. Teach us to love. Teach us to worship. Teach us to work in ways that restore the joy of our salvation to us daily, day after day, week after week, year after year. And our attitudes have changed. Our mindset's changed. Our motivation has changed. Teach us to want those things bad enough to change the way we, we look at things, to change our priorities, to change what we do with money, change what we do with our time. Where we're, more, we're more motivated by eternal things than things that are going to burn up. Stir that up in us today and tomorrow and the next day and the next. And the joy will be down in our heart to stay. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks again for listening to today's message from Cross Point Church, helping people navigate the journey toward an authentic, biblical, and contagious walk with Christ. 